Hello and welcome to the New Jersey Economic Development Authority's eConversation podcast. I'm Alberto Garrido, a communications officer at the NJEDA, and I'm excited to guest host this July eConversations episode. It's summertime, and as Governor Murphy has promised, it's a Jersey Shore summer. That's why we're focusing this month's podcast episode on Jersey Shore tourism and the impact that the state's recovery from COVID is having on local economies. Unlike our previous podcast, where we had all of the participants together, virtually through COVID, of course, this month we're speaking one-on-one with our participants, which include several small business owners, the head of the New Jersey Restaurant and Hospitality Association, and the head of our Small Business Services Unit at the NJEDA. During this episode, you'll hear from Cristina Fuentes, Managing Director of Community Development and Small Business Services at the NJEDA, Carl Spataco, co-owner of K-May Peanut Butter and Smithville Peanut Butter, a gourmet food store in Cape May County, as well as the Inn at the Park, a bed of breakfast in Cape May. Chris Clayton, owner of the Margate Dairy Bar and Burger. Patty Barber, general manager of the Silver Ball Retro Arcade in Asbury Park. And Dana Lancelotti, president and chief executive officer of the New Jersey Restaurant and Hospitality Association. We're kicking it off with Christina, who will give some insight into the support the NGADA has provided to small businesses throughout the COVID pandemic and the way her small business services unit is helping to ensure an equitable recovery for all New Jersey small businesses. Thanks again, Christina, for joining us. The NJEDA has been front and center in the economic recovery from COVID-19. At a very high level, can you talk about the support the NJEDA has provided to date through all of its various programs? Sure. Um, I just want to kind of highlight some of the products that we've been launching since uh, the beginning of this uh, pandemic back in March of 2020. Um, So far to date, we've supported over 75,000 businesses, which equates to $478 million worth of support in our various programs. And obviously that number, both on businesses served and dollars served out to those businesses, grows constantly. But, you know, some of the various programs we've had is we've offered different phases of our grant program, um, our emergency assistance loan program. Um, We also have Sustain and Serve, which is on their second phase. Um, We've also offered uh, PPE access programs and grants, too, and um, specific grants and loans for uh, micro businesses and entrepreneur support programs and also technical assistance support as well, too. So as you can see, it's kind of vast, uh, the support we've been offering throughout this whole pandemic. And um, the number of programs just keeps growing. Uh, we also have, uh, separate and apart from COVID, we also do offer relief um, with through incentives through our Economic Recovery Act, too. So we'll be launching programs progressively. Uh, and those programs will offer job-based tax credits and additional tax credits to offer support with development. And also um, there's a Main Street Recovery Finance Program associated to that, too, which will offer some products to offer uh, small business support. Thank you for that, Christina. Can you talk about NJEDA's efforts to expand the access uh, to capital for female and minority-owned businesses in New Jersey? Sure. Um, so EDA has been really targeted and conscious about being able to connect to small business owners, um, especially our targeted and underserved populations who necessarily don't always know about resources 
that may be available. So I know with our COVID phases of our grants, we were really conscious to um, hire separate marketing firms that were also women and minority owned firms too, and small businesses to really be able to connect on the local level uh, with more businesses. And we offered various um, panels and info sessions on how to walk through our grants um, and being able to make sure that if people had questions, they were able to have access to resources and where to go and how to be able to really pursue those grants as well too. And I think, you know, with us being so targeted and doing that, um, our numbers kind of speak to themselves and the fact that we were able to grow the percentages of uh, women in minority business owned uh, that were served with those products. But we also have some of the other you know, traditional products too, like our micro business loan, which has really, um, it's very attractive, low cost financing for businesses too. And also our CDFIs, which are community-based lenders um, and how focused they've been in supporting uh, women minority uh, owned businesses as well too. We do various programs like um, our small business bonding readiness program as well too. We partner up with the African-American chamber, which is a very, um, you know, it's technical assistance to, again, just make sure you have all your ducks in a row to ensure if you're doing um, any type of contracts with the, the state, the county, the cities, um, and you need surety bonding, this program helps walk you through um, what's going to be necessary to achieve that bonding and to ensure that you can actually uh, do the projects that you're trying to pursue as well, too. And again, this is all free. Um, it's available to everyone, um, and they actually have a fall, a fall class that will be coming up too soon. So um, if somebody is interested in that, they can go on our website and get more information, actually apply, and then somebody would reach out to them too. Um, part of also with our small business services unit, um, we're really focused in building out our targeted chambers as well too. So whether it's the statewide Hispanic chamber or the African-American chamber or the uh, Asian American chamber, the Chinese American chamber, it's um, various groups that we're really trying to build these connections with so we can be much more targeted and focused on doing the necessary outreach. Um, we also have a L the statewide LGBTQ chamber and our veterans chamber too. Um, and just making sure that these businesses really know about the resources that are out there statewide and available to to them. So we're really the connector to, you know, helping them get more closely tied into statewide resources, whether it's an SBA resource as well, too, on the federal level, um, but knowing about lending products, technical assistance, um, and just being able to understand, you know, that CDFIs are out there to support them, too. Um, I feel like a lot of business owners are kind of missing what a CDFI is. Um, it's a community development financial institution that really offers some lending products and it can be a great resource as well too. So we just wanna make sure that small business owners are getting more connected in that way. Um, and then just being very targeted and meeting people where they are and being able to, you know, whether there's obviously like some comfortability factor and making sure staff on hand um, that can speak Spanish and that can, be able to answer questions in Spanish and people shouldn't feel afraid or shameful in order to ask those questions either. Um, and that's what we're here to serve and do and help people with. It's a tremendous effort and a much needed one as well. Thank you, Christina. Now, let me ask you, uh, you live pretty close to the Jersey Shore. In your opinion, what does a Jersey Shore comeback look like? And are we on our way to achieving it? Yeah, so I actually live um, not too far from Atlantic City. And so for South Jersey, we've definitely seen a different side of uh, the pandemic and how it's affected us regionally. Um, I will say it's been very busy down this way uh, for us. And I've seen some positive things. Um, granted, this, you know, 
the pandemic has affected people in different ways. Um, but I think in South Jersey, um, it's it's kind of nice to see this comeback for us here locally. Um, and with, you know, rooms getting booked in Atlantic City and a lot of traffic, um, although those are negatives, but it's nice to see finally. Um, I know on the outskirts of the city, we have some smaller hotels too, and you can drive by and see they're all booked up and lots of cars. And so I think we, you know, regionally, we have a lot of people that are traveling more locally. And so, you know, people, it's easy to come to the free beaches in Atlantic City. It's easy to come to Ocean City and have a family day as well, too. And um, it's just positive to kind of see that in this kind of supports our small businesses as well, too, right? It's like a ripple effect. And um, I have to say for, you know, South Jersey and down here, it's like really nice to see Um even the Cape May area as well, too. Um, we've seen like an uptick and, you know, more people visiting, more people staying locally. Um, people, if they had, you know, if they lived in New York, if they had a house in Cape May, they're utilizing their houses um, or running it out and a little bit less to be able to spend time there rather than traveling. Um, so definitely added perks that all support the small business and uh, local businesses throughout the area. That's good to know. Thanks again, Christina Fuentes, for joining us today. Now we're joined by Patty Barber, General Manager of the Silver Bowl Retro Arcade in Asbury Park. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about your business, its history, and what you consider its biggest draw for tourists visiting your town's beaches? Sure. Silver Ball was conceived because two partners collected the games, one for his daughter's amusement when she was younger and one because he just loved to collect them. And at one point they realized they wanted to share them with the public once they had hundreds of games. We started out in the basement of a business in, on Cookman Avenue. Uh, some space opened up on the boardwalk right before things picked up in Asbury. And within a couple of years, it just became a really popular place. Uh, we are now considered a little bit like one of the iconic parts of the boardwalk. I think the main draw, obviously, is our games are in pristine condition. We have 150 games on the floor, ranging from the 50s all the way up to now, current games that are digital. Uh, ski ball, air hockey. I think what's unique about our games and our arcade games is that you pay an admission for your time. You don't put coins in. So you pay for $10 for a half hour or 20 for all day or something in the middle there. And then once you're inside, you don't put any coins in and you play your heart out on whatever you want to play. And we do capture that essence of old Asbury, uh, the retro part of Asbury which is Asbury is sort of a marriage of old and new, and we fit right in there. We have some relics from the old Palace Theater inside. So you really get that feel of the boardwalk in Asbury from back in the day, but it's current and now as well. Thank you. The COVID-19 pandemic uh, brought on unprecedented economic challenges, with the 2020 summer shore season being uh, particularly uh, hard hit. How did the uh, NJEDA support help your business uh, weather this uh, season? Well, obviously receiving a grant uh, helped us get through parts of the loss of business. We had to keep ourselves really diverse going from that food in the doorway that people were doing takeout during the close. And then when we reopened, obviously it just wasn't the same amount of business that we'd had in the past. So the grant that we got obviously helped us and uh, kind of just grit helped us get through that as well. 
Interesting. And considering that most of the restrictions uh, that were imposed during the state of emergency have been lifted, how has the uh, 2021 season been going for your small business so far? It's explosive. Uh, we kind of had summer start about two months before summer started, you know, officially for us. Uh, we're doing better than we ever have, actually, which uh, is really cool since, you know, it was a study in learning how to run a business through a pandemic, which no one was prepared for. So we just really started. I started out with a we're not going to fail attitude that first week of shutdown. And uh, again, it was kind of staying fluid through everything. So when it was time to open back up and when vaccines happened uh, for and people started to travel and the weather just hit the perfect storm, we, we have been so thankfully busy. Uh, I would say that people are just more enthusiastic and happier than I've been there almost 11 years. So to see people so happy and so excited to be inside. And we're really grateful that we have the staff for it because that's an issue, obviously, getting staff right now. But it's going really, really great. It bounced back great. Patty, and uh, if anybody wants to find you in social media, they want to follow you and you know find out what you guys are doing, events or uh, any promotions that you guys have, where can they find you? Uh, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we also have our website. So it's Silverball Retro Arcade, and you can look it up that way and you'll find us. Thank you so much for your time, Patty. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us. Chris Clayton, owner of the Margate Dairy Bar and Burger. To start off, Chris, can you please tell us a little bit about your business, its history, and what you consider its biggest draw for tourists visiting your town's beaches this year? Sure. Hi, Alberto. Thank you for having me on. Um, well, our business is the Margate Dairy Bar and Burger. We've been in the community, serving the community since 1952. So this is our 69th season. Uh, we were uh, pretty much knocked down during Superstorm Standy. Uh, when we came back, we rebuilt not only the dairy bar, but also the burger bar, which had existed back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Uh, so we've been serving the community and the community at large. By that, I mean people that have houses, shore houses here that live in Philadelphia, New York, Maryland, but have been coming here for gener you know, generationally. So we've been around for uh, several different generations of, of people's families and helping them to lock in and cement those shore memories. Um, I think our biggest draw is in our particular town. We do not have a boardwalk like other some other seaside towns, but what we have is uh, Lucy the Elephant and the Margate Dairy Bar and Burger. There's not too much that's been on the island longer than us two. Um, so, uh, you know, our draw is basically mostly families, although as it gets later in the night, we also get some folks that maybe were out to dinner and uh, are looking for a cone or just a, a nice conversation on one of our outside tables with a little ocean breeze. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. And now COVID-19 brought on unprecedented economic challenges uh, with the 2020 summer shore season being particularly hard hit. How did NJEDA support help you weather the season? Uh, well, I'm... Um, Actually, NJEVA was quite useful. Uh, as you know, uh, we had a rather short season because we stayed locked down uh, for a lot of the early spring. We usually open in the beginning of April. I made a business decision to stay closed until right before Memorial Day weekend, which is not something that any business owner cares to do because your athletes, as I call them, my employees don't have a chance to train and stretch before they get on the field. 
but it really uh, it, it hit us hard, both from a perspective of how are we going to present ourselves to the guests, what is our protocol is going to be, not only with the guests, but with our employees, because the first line of hospitality that we recognize is our employees before we even talk to the guests. What makes them comfortable? What makes their parents comfortable? What type of protocols do we need to do to keep everyone safe? So uh, we really had to start from the inside out and then from the outside build the inside. So we kept our dining room closed. We did things like uh, put up a tent for uh, web orders, curbside, uh, to try to push people, unfortunately, away from the property. We are a draw, a magnet for the community. On any given night, we'll have 250 people there at one time. But last year it was a little bit different. So uh, I, we, we got hit with a lot of shortages of product increases based on those shortages, uh, a lot of material costs that went up because everything had to be packaged and sent out. Um, we actually... Our staff was actually 30 people more than we usually have in any other year. Uh, and again, this year we're experiencing the same thing because we reinvented ourselves. We put five pedal assist electric county bicycles out to take the order to you, whether you were at the beach, uh, at your house, or at your business. Um, we had to have all new mechanism of employees and protocols for how does the tent work? How does curbside work? Are you wearing gloves? How often do you change your gloves? What happens with the pens? Do the pens get sanitized? Uh, how about receipt lists? Like all these things had to be thought. Uh, but again, you know, as we told the folks on CNBC Squawk Box, it's it's mosaic. It's it's a bunch of broken dishes. But if you have the ingenuity and the creativity, a little bit of fear, a lot of grit and tenacity, you can take those broken dishes and build mosaic with them. The NGA and EDA was helpful in that regard because they were able to uh, provide some grant money to us to help to pick up some of those to help pick up and defray some of those extra costs. Hmm. Very interesting how you were able to adapt. Having said that, how has the uh, 2021 season been going for your small business so far? Uh, it's, a, uh, it's another great question. So far, the season has been uh, been pretty strong. I'd say that that's due to a lot of folks that left the cities and didn't go back um, that are now living here. As you can tell by our real estate prices, that there's a lot of folks that uh, their employers or themselves have made a decision as, I can do this at home. So, I mean, we're not the only ones making mosaic out there, are we? Uh, so, so far it's been pretty strong. We're, we're having to track 2019 as opposed to 2020 because we're looking to try to look at a more normal year to compare against. And last year we didn't, really, we didn't really have an April or half of a May to compare against. Uh, but when we came out of the gate, there was a huge influx of business that we got from Memorial Day through the middle of July because we were open. The dairy bar had opened for its 68th season. And, and you can tell the grandkids that, you know, Nan and Pop Opera, you know, are going to take you there again this year. And so the numbers were, were like very, very much higher than the year before. Um, of course, it took a lot more staff to do that. This year, we're trying to track it somewhere between comparing against 19 and 20, just to kind of average those out and kind of push down the bumps that an anomaly like that would cause. Thank you for that, Chris. One last question. If anybody wants to follow your business on social media, where can they do so? Uh, you can go to our website, www.margatedairybar.com. Uh, although a lot of people do follow us on Facebook as well. We've got something like, uh, I'm not sure what the exact number of followers. It's hard to keep count. But 
a lot of folks uh, like to choose that as well. And, and I believe even if you went to Margate, has more website. You know, that's our our business association website for the town. You can find your way to us that way. You can find us on Yelp. You can find us on Google. You can find us on Facebook. And if you come to 9510 Ventnor Avenue in Margate City for the last 69 years, you'd find us. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, Chris Clayton, owner of the Margate Dairy Bar and Burger. Thanks again for your time and your insights. Thank you, Alberta. We're now joined by Carlos Spodunko, co-owner of Cape May Peanut Butter, Smithville Peanut Butter, and the Inn at the Park in Cape May. To start off, could you please tell us a little bit about your business, its history, and what you consider its biggest draw for tourists visiting your town's beaches? Absolutely. Uh, my wife and I, about uh, 10 years ago, started uh, our first business in Cape May, uh, which was the Cape May Olive Oil Company. Uh, we did a lot of research, uh, brought in the best product. Uh, we had visited a store in Napa uh, that gave us the inspiration, uh, found a beautiful shop uh, right behind the, the main mall on Carpenter's Lane, and so this is this is where our olive oil store will be. Um, the the olive, olive oil store was very successful. Uh, we added a spice shop. And the key to our business is, well, it was uh, letting everybody taste the products. Um, now, it's interesting. You know, this uh, during COVID, uh, our, our main, you know, uh, tactic of having everybody taste our products uh, kind of had to go by the wayside. And um, what we found is that, you know, people that were familiar with the product kept buying it. It really didn't matter that we had the tasting. Uh, but the people that, you know, weren't as familiar, um, you know, it was a little bit of a drawback. So it did put a little hamper on the uh, the whole process, particularly the peanut butter. We grind our own peanut butters in our peanut butter store. Uh, we have a factory at the Cape May Airport um, and where we produce uh, artisanal peanut butter. Now, some of them are uh, a little off the beaten path, like uh, vanilla bourbon. Well, you're not going to know if you like vanilla bourbon peanut butter if you don't try it. And so we used to taste it, and that's been a little bit, a bit of an adjustment for us. However... Um, you know, after the after the downturn, when everything was shut down, when people started to come back, you know, uh, I guess six or eight months ago, the rebound has been fantastic. Um, Cape May is hopping right now. Uh, most of the merchants, uh, including ourselves, were having a difficult time keeping up with the demand. Uh, so it it really has surged back quite strong. You'll never make up the revenue that you lose during a downtime when you're shut, when your doors are shut, uh, particularly at the end. Uh, that was a tough one because it's not like you can sell uh, rooms online at a bed and breakfast. Whereas the peanut butter, we had regular customers that would keep buying online. So our online business went up during the shutdown uh, but where it really hurt was any, anybody who's running uh, a bed and breakfast, a hotel, that type of thing, you never make that revenue back up because those are lost uh, lost room days. 
And so that's where, it, you know, we kind of took it on the chin. Um, so, uh, but, but we, we uh, create an experience um, in Cape May. People come to the peanut butter store from all over. It's amazing. Uh, the merchants always report that uh, they have to answer the question 30 times a day, where's the peanut butter store? It really has been a huge attraction. And that's what I wanted for, for, for Cape May. I wanted to be able to create destination stores where people wanted to come and wanted to see it. And, uh, uh, and it became part of the experience. I remember as a kid, you know, coming to Cape May and we always had to get the fudge or the saltwater taffies. And that's what I wanted to replicate. I wanted it to be so that when people came to Cape May, they had to stop at the peanut butter shop and get their butter, butterscotch peanut butter. And they had to go and get their, uh, you know, uh, uh, infused olive oil at the olive oil store. And that's what's happened. Uh, that's what's happened. And, and, you know, through a lot of hard work uh, and some good fortune, we've been able to create those destination spots. And uh, and it's been wonderful. It, it really gives the town uh, more definition and uh, and more excitement when they're coming in looking for you know for shops that they've heard about. So that's interesting, Carl. Thank you. And considering that lost revenue that you had during the pandemic and the rebound that you're experiencing right now, we understand that you know COVID nineteen brought on unprecedented economic challenges uh, with the 2020 summer shore season being particularly hard hit. How did the NJEDA support help you weather the season? Well, it's, it's funny. Um, we have uh, a full-time CFO for our business and she worked very closely with the folks, uh, you know, on the grants. Um, uh, I have her notes here and I have to tell you, it, it's been an experience that uh, we kind of didn't expect. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're, uh, particularly in this, this you know, uh, this time when a lot of government offices aren't open and that type of thing, uh, you get frustrated with not being able to contact people, not being able to talk to people. That was not the experience we had with NJEDA. Our, our CFO, Amanda, said they were incredibly uh, forthcoming with any assistance, even if it wasn't directly related, um, that their online tools were, were fantastic, um, that it's, it, it, it was very uh, streamlined, uh, that the responsiveness was, was very, very good. And, uh, and she has nothing but great things to say about uh, how the process worked. Uh, of course, any time that we can get uh, grants or, or, or loans to help us through the tough periods, uh, it's, it's you know, hugely uh, uh, beneficial to us. You know, when you, when you think about a business that uh, already has a baked-in downtime, right, where we have uh, January, February, those are slow periods in a short down. Now you start adding where you're not making revenue in, in May and June. 
all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, we, we were counting on that, on that revenue. So, uh, any assistance that we got, um, was just, just needed. Um, particularly for us, uh, we had good quality employees and what we didn't want to do, we didn't want to lose those folks. We wanted them to keep, uh, keep with the company, be able to keep their wages. And so uh, a lot of the programs that were available um, just helped us with that, uh, helped us with, you know, keeping the lights on, helped us with keeping the uh, people employed. Um, and it was uh, it was tremendous. Uh, the whole process was good. Thank you for sharing that, Carl. Can you now talk a little about how the 2021 season has been going for your small business so far? Well, the biggest challenge that we've had there are there are two huge challenges right now. It's not customer base. Customers we've got. Everybody down here has customers. The inn's been been packed. The the peanut butter store's been doing great. The olive oil stores, uh, you know, the uh, the stores are are doing very well as far as uh, people visiting. That hasn't been a problem. The challenges are. Um, getting people to come to work. And I'm sure you're hearing that everywhere. Uh, huge, huge challenge. Um, you know, uh, so to everybody has a sign in the window saying help on it. Uh, restaurants are not opening a couple of days a week. Uh, we've had to limit some hours. So uh, we've got the business. We just don't have the employees to uh, to execute on on the business. That's been one of the huge challenges uh, freight prices have gone through the ceiling uh, so things that uh, we used to get and had to tag on xml for freight uh freight has been extremely expensive for everybody and then the th then the other issue is just availability uh it's odd you know how many things uh during this time you just can't get um, and it, some of them are really, really strange, you know, um, but, you know, we're all dealing with it. Um, but the, uh, the biggest challenge and, 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 uh, unfortunately I don't see any, any change in that challenge is, uh, we need, we need employees. We can certainly understand that. Now for anybody that wants to find you on social media, where can they do so? Sure. Uh, the, our group is called Cape Island Foods, and it encompasses a lot of different things. Uh, the Inn at the Park uh, is probably a separate, uh, you know, address. But Cape Island Foods gets you to all of our our sites, and uh, uh, you know, so that that would be the best thing. CapeIslandFoods.com. All right. Thanks again, Carl Spataco, uh, co-owner of Cape May Peanut Butter and Smithville Peanut Butter. Uh, hate me. Thank you so much. Dana, thank you again for joining us. Um, as you know, uh, once the state of emergency was declared in New Jersey, there were thousands of small businesses that were negatively impacted by the restrictions aimed to curb the spread of the virus. Restaurants were among the businesses that were most affected by these restrictions. Now that most restrictions have been lifted and consumer enthusiasm seems to be increasing, how do you see the restaurant industry in New Jersey rebounding? Well, 
It really was an unbelievably unprecedented time, right? And the restaurants suffered greatly, and so did many other industries, as you know, um, as well as hotels, which didn't get as much attention as restaurants. And I think that's because we all have a very strong emotional bond to restaurants, right? So um, they are, they're coming back, but it's, there's an irony here because while they are thrilled to have customers back and thrilled to be busy, there's, um, there is an, an uh, unfortunate issue with the hiring crisis, with the labor shortage. And that has been the thing that is keeping them from maximizing the opportunity here. So it's just an unusual and um, unfortunate uh, situation right now. And, um, and so, no, they're not, they're not able to take full advantage of what's coming to them, but boy, they are, they are thrilled to be back in operation again, for sure. Um, and as the president and CEO of the New Jersey Restaurant Hospitality Association, you have seen restaurant owners uh, struggling to navigate the different financing options available during the pandemic. How has that your organization supported, educated, and advocated for its members during this process of economic recovery? Yes, we, we do advocate on a daily basis, to be honest. There's so many different things that need to be um, uh, addressed. And we do cover not only restaurants, but also hotels, venues, as in wedding venues, which were hit really hard during this time as well. And also um, amusements, um, boardwalks. We have Maury's Piers, Steel Piers, Jenkinson's. They're all members. So a lot of different things affect those different uh, sectors. Um, we have worked with our legislators directly. We've worked with the governor directly. It's been wonderful and exciting, actually, for me, that part of communication and having the opportunity to have dialogue directly with the policymakers. And we've done our best um, to know what the issues are, to be in conversation with our members um, and have that, that dialogue. So we're learning what their needs are every day. And we, we are able to convey that and be their voice to the, the policymakers um, with, with every, every issue, every, every little, the, the tiniest details of things that are, that are mentioned in bills that may um, benefit or may hinder uh, their rebound or their operations in general, we, um, we, stand, we stand for them. So it's been, and it's been a privilege to do so, I have to say. What an incredible what an incredible industry it is because um, these are very passionate, very hardworking people. And even with the struggles that I mentioned with the rebound, you know, you have restaurant owners who are going to jump in and, and bus tables and be the host at the front of the house. Or, you know, even if they have culinary experience, they're going to go in the in the kitchen and they're going to cook. They do whatever they have to do to make their business work, right? Um, it's, it's an incredible thing. And they're also very innovative. They have moved with technology, which has changed. Look at what they did to QR codes. They brought us, they brought that back from, you know, nobody was really using them anymore. And now now it's a common thing. We don't even really, we don't need to go back to paper menus, do we? So a lot of changes, a lot of innovation, and um, and certainly uh, that has been exciting to see uh, moving forward for the future as well. Yes, that's a tremendous effort, and I'm sure your members are very appreciative of it as well. Now, uh, compared to last year, uh, Dana, this summer, uh, we've seen an uptick of tourists and foot traffic across the entire Jersey Shore. As the former head of Ocean County Tourism, how do you see the economic recovery 
on the Jersey Shore taking shape, especially this next two or three years? Yeah, it is amazing. So the boom, right? But we we did, I have to say, we did see a lot of business last year too. The boardwalks, I was actually when I was a tourism director in Ocean County, I was watching pod uh, I was watching the um the cameras that are on the boardwalks. <laughs> I was going you can go on the internet and do that, and I actually really enjoyed that. I would watch the cameras uh that would show me the people live walking on Asbury Park boardwalk, our Seaside Heights boardwalk and, you know, comparing all the boardwalks business down the down the coastline um it's it's amazing how many people actually did come out last year and a lot of the businesses actually did well when you got to the tail end of the summer and moving into the fall this year is exploded right it's absolutely exploded and the the business is there the also a new thing that we have is we have new residents because now that we have remote working a lot of people um there was a mass exodus moving out of the cities and New York City being one and they came right down to the shore and they started purchasing homes and condos and moving themselves to a more pleasant environment to work in right so kind of an interesting thing so the tourism marketing itself changed a lot because we weren't allowed we weren't able to market to bring people in as visitors for such a long time it was really more about enjoy your backyard right and 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 go visit things that are that are here in jersey that you may not have done before um so with that we're seeing a lot more locals i think just being you know home for vacation you know working from home and 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 also being able to be out and enjoying things with their families so um that's been amazing but festivals were a big loss when you can't have gatherings and you can't have conventions and you can't have festivals you can't have um um sports events that really hits hotels hard that really hits the industry and hits the economy really hard you when you're no- normally having festivals all through the spring summer and fall and they bring in 50,000 people uh to a play to a location to a town to a beach um that does a lot to the economy right and the loss of that so is huge so those are things that take a long time to plan so that's another thing that's a little bit slower in the rebound um because you can't just decide I'm I'm going to do a festival next month right so uh so we see things starting to come back on that note more as we're moving through the summer but definitely we should see a big hit of that in this in the fall i think a lot of the bigger things that we've enjoyed in the past are really going to going to be popping up and and back to normal in the fall when it comes to large gatherings so so that's awesome um the hotels have struggled a lot they've struggled to to manage um their losses their 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 low um their their low occupancy for such a long period of time the the lack of corporate travel is a huge hit and that's still not back um con- conventions and expos and things like that that would normally be be humming through the winter time is you know that's that's a tough loss that we had um outside of the summer season right this past uh past year so there are a lot of things that are still inching forward um but we definitely uh will enjoy seeing some numbers come back tourism prior to covid was a 46 billion dollar economic impact on new jersey 
After COVID, it was $29 billion. That was from your state report, which we very much rely on every year. It's an awesome report that you guys do um, at the State Tourism Department. And it breaks down all of the sectors of our industry and tells us where where the, the money is. And um, and it's it's a big part of our economy, tourism. A lot of people don't realize that. So so dropping um, 17 billion is is it is a big drop. And the the food and beverage industry was down four billion in itself, just that sector. So there's a lot there's a lot of work to do. Um, but but yeah, it's it's exciting to see people in this jubilant mode because they're so incredibly happy to be coming back together and to be cherishing every moment of these things that we just did without, you know, without the t- we took it all for granted. Go to a restaurant. We took it for granted going to festivals, concerts, beaches and boardwalks. Yes, we all we really, I think, appreciate life and we appreciate each other and being together more than ever. So that's a fun thing to see as well. Tina, um, the NJEDA has seen a significant number of restaurant owners participate in the different loan and grant programs that we've offered since the pandemic started. You know, we've been able to provide more than $478 million in support to over 75,000 applications, not just from restaurant owners, but from other small businesses across the state that were negatively impacted by the pandemic. In your opinion, why are state and federal programs so important to the successful recovery of the restaurant industry, specifically in New Jersey? Oh, so very important. Yes, indeed. And and you've all done a tremendous job, I have to say. I was working with you in my previous position, once again, in tourism and business development at the county, because we were uh, we were we were working with your um, with your offers to do the webinars and and engage in um, giving as much information to everyone as possible. So I really enjoyed that. You were all extremely on the ball and just on top of everything and easy to to get back and forth with if there were issues that that some of our small businesses reached out to us with. So I thank you for that. Um, the small business grants, the lease assistance grants. Um, and, and the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, of course, um, that actually was signed uh, by the government, by the governor. Uh, this, the second week I was on the job, it was so funny. I was literally like 10 days into the job and I was on a stage with the governor in Atlantic City while he signed that. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible to see how many people were, were helped. Um, and obviously there were more applications than there was money available. So now we're hoping more money will come and replenish um, some of these funds to, to get to the rest of the people. But once again, they're queued up and the ones who applied and didn't receive are in line to receive any replenishment money uh, possibly down the road. So that's great. Um, it's hugely important. And I think also just even to the morale of people to realize that that the government is is looking after them and that the government is is hearing their their struggles and and reacting and helping, you know, so I think it makes people feel more um, not only is it critical to their survival, obviously, and we've heard a lot of our restaurants say um, honestly say to me that they wouldn't be here if it weren't for um, some of these these measures that were taken with funding. So so we're very grateful for that. And um, and I do think that that it also makes people feel that they're not alone, you know, and it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Indeed. 
Thank you so much, uh, Dana Lancelotti, uh, President and CEO of the New Jersey Restaurant and Hospitality Association. Thank you for your time, for joining us on this e-conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's great to meet you, Alberto. Likewise. And with that, we'll wrap up this July episode of e-conversations. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you join us again next month.